The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm humbled by what has happened and I renew my wholehearted apology for the gathering in the cabinet room on the 19th of June 2020. I can't say whether he'll be prime minister going into 2023, but I don't think that he will lead the party into the next general election. Why does the prime minister think everybody else's actions have consequences except his own? You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up on today's programme, comparing Rishi Sunak's and Liz Truss's plans to tackle the cost of living crisis. We'll assess their potential impact with our chief European economist, Jamie Rush. And as we head for another heatwave in the UK, we'll be looking at the strain on the country's power supplies. And with a tricky winter looming, the challenges it will present for the next Prime Minister. But first, is there anything at the moment you're putting off dealing with, Ewan? Well, I always think that going away in the summer when the weather's actually nice for a couple of months is, is, is a bit of an odd thing to do anyway. But this year in particular, I am not going on any foreign trips you during the to school plan holidays. Holiday, basically. Yeah, I mean, I've seen those pictures of airports and I just think it seems unwise. So uh, Norfolk is, is, my next, uh, is my next trip, which will probably get stuck in a traffic jam. Yeah, but at I, least I feel like my life is an endless list of things that I should do and things that I have forgotten to do. Um, essentially. But luckily, I'm in good company because Boris Johnson and the UK government are putting off any emergency package to help deal with the cost of living crisis until the autumn. And it's clearly on the minds of those running to replace the Prime Minister as well. Both sides are stepping up their offensive. Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab has lashed out at Liz Truss's tax cuts plans and uh, no no prizes for guessing that he is a Rishi Sunak supporter. Local Government Minister Paul Scully defended the Foreign Secretary's plans. Absolutely right. Rather than taking money from people and then giving it back to them as a handout, just don't take it in the first place, which is why she's talking about reversing the NI um, increase and, and, and looking at tax cuts in that way. So that's Liz Trust supporter Paul Scully. If you want to hear what Sunak's team thinks, here's former Chief Whip Mark Harper. The Conservative Party has to be rooted in reality. It has to look at the situation facing the country. And I think you need somebody who's got the grip and the experience to deal with that economic challenge. Want to guess uh, what Truss's supporters said in response to that? I'm thinking perhaps it's something, was it something very polite? Oh, how, how, how on, <laughs> on the spot of you. Uh, they said that Rishi Sunak's plans to help consumers were, quote, as intellectually watertight as a sieve. <laughs> uh, further proving that even at this level of politics, you can descend to that level. So it is all about the economy. We've just over three weeks now left for Conservative Party members to cast their votes to choose the country's next Prime Minister. And the cost of living, in particular the cost of energy, is taking centre stage. Now, Rishi Sunak's offering more, promising to offer more support to households, adding to the discounts already promised this October. Every household will get £400 off their energy bills, and those on means-tested benefits would get a further £650. Well, let's dig into the economics of all of this with Jamie Rush. He's uh, Chief European Economist at Bloomberg uh, Economics. Thanks so much for joining us, Jamie. Now, plenty of people are worried about what this is going to mean for their finances, but talk us through uh, what it means at a a, a macro level, the 
the, the rising cost of uh, energy bills? Well, I mean, I, I think the, the I mean, the primary focus has got to be on 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 people's living standards at the low end of the income distribution because they are the people who are being hit the hardest. Um, clearly, though, less spending and that well, less less real spending once you've adjusted for inflation in the economy is a big drag. And you know, we've just had forecasts from the Bank of England which are showing a two percent drop in GDP in 2023, which is basically like the 1990s recession. So the consequences of this are significant and and wide-reaching. How much is the prospect of higher energy bills weighing on consumer confidence? Because that's already not in a great place. But if there's a prospect of huge increased bills down the line, that surely can't be good news. It's not. And I think one thing that you see across Europe is just a plunging in economic sentiment, and particularly among consumers. Uh, and you know the, the thing that's difficult for economists is to judge whether how that is going to translate into in, into the outlook for growth because you know in the past in in recessions gone gone by a big drop in consumer sentiment would signal a big recession um this time businesses are actually telling us that the the outlook isn't quite so bad or at least they're not interpreting the news flow the same way as households and so maybe things will actually be slightly less bad than you know than, than the sentiment indicators are suggesting would it be fair to say that that retail spending has has not yet dropped off a cliff? Um, looking at the PMIs, the economy is still growing, isn't it? We grew in we grew in July. Um, you walk around. I was walking around uh, Birmingham over the weekend. Um, admittedly, the Commonwealth Games were on, but it was you know it was it was very busy. I was actually walking around a, a poorer part of the West Midlands, and that was very busy as well. So people are out shopping anecdotally, uh, and the retail sales numbers don't look that bad yet, do they? They don't, and you know that that largely reflects the support that's been on offer already, right? So the the money that's been been given to households to to cope with this, and also, you know, we haven't seen the worst of it yet. I mean, let's let's be clear, like the 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 impact of higher energy costs in the UK, unlike some other countries, comes with really quite a long lag. You know, like three to six months. So it's these future increases in energy costs which are the problem. I mean, right now we've only seen a, a small element of that. Are UK consumers and households being squeezed more than people in other parts of Europe, or is everyone sort of feeling the pain equally? No, I think everyone's feeling the rise in in sort of wholesale gas costs in a similar and, and electricity costs in a similar-ish sort of way. The UK is actually slightly better insulated from it because we have access to LNG uh, mm. uh, kind of regasification stuff. So the, there's that, but but it's really the, the the question is, you know, how much are governments providing to their their I mean their voters essentially? Um, to um, uh, in, in fiscal support and that in the UK has been fairly forthcoming in most parts of Europe it has also been forthcoming um, so we haven't seen the worst of it so long I mean and that, and that perhaps will continue to be the case so long so long as governments keep stepping up is there a cleverer thing the government could do rather than throwing uh, payments at households could, could, is there a way that they could lower the bills and subsidize it more directly which would then bring down the rate of inflation it seems unfortunate to me that that, that we let bills go up by so much dragging up the inflation rate and therefore causing a problem for the bank of england and problems for things that are linked to rpi is it not something cleverer they could do or is it is it not is it not as simple as that um i think it's, it's a really good point like if they'd intervened at the point where the price cap is set like providing subsidies perhaps to to utilities companies or, or something along those lines then yeah they could have intervened before the point at which the price collect, prices were collected, and so it doesn't, it wouldn't appear 
the inflation is is quite so high. The problem is that it actually becomes a little bit more difficult to target the support, doesn't it? So if you if you make the, if you stop the price going up, then you know everybody receives the same benefit. When you won't actually necessarily want to do that. I mean, really, we do ultimately want demand for gas to fall, right? We want to buy less gas from Russia. And the price has a, a role to play in that, particularly so, for higher income households. So it distorts the price signal and is very expensive. Exactly. Yeah, so that's yeah, two key problems with that, I guess. From, from what we have heard from Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak, I mean, are, are, do any of these plans sound like something that will actually help to ease the pain for consumers or to even lower the chance of the recession or a recession being worse? Are there sensible proposals in there um, from an economist's point of view? Uh, I, I mean, I would say no, not yet. Um, the so what have we got? So from from Liz Truss, we have a, a cut to social environmental levies, which is pushing up bills of about 150 pounds. That's really very very small relative to the scale of the problem being faced. So that's not going to do much. The other thing she wants to do is reverse the the increase in, in national insurance payments, which you know that's a payrolls tax. Um, and the problem with that is that it. It, it gives loads of money to people at the top end of the income distribution and not very much to people at the bottom half of the income distribution. It's like £750 on average for the top half, 150 for the bottom half. Mm. So it's, it's, it's really regressive if you do that, if, you, if, you, if she does that, uh, which is probably why she's sort of touting it to, to Conservative voters. Yes. Um, so I think the thing is, once you get past this leadership election and they're pitching to a different audience, I wonder whether the kind of policy design will change quite substantially. And what about the timing of the tax cuts? Obviously, this is a sort of fairly central debating point between uh, Sunak and Truss as to whether it's okay to do big tax cuts now in an in a inflationary world. Where, where do you stand on that on that debate? Uh, I think the, the right policy for the UK is to support the people who really can't afford to pay £4,000 a year for their energy costs. Um, the consequences for them of not, of not having that support will just be colossal and it's just not worth... I mean, it's just, it's just a sensible investment to protect those people. I think for people who can afford it, there should be less support. And so it's reasonable to provide targeted support to those who need it, even though that will um, potentially lift, lift inflation a touch, lift the, I mean, prevent a recession, essentially, is what we're talking about. Uh, or, or to some extent, um, I think it's reasonable to do that, given even given the current inflation inflation rate, uh, it's not going to actually add very much. The main problem we have in infla- of, of inflation is just the, the fundamental increase in energy costs. That's the that's the problem. There's nothing you can actually do about that. Is the UK in? a much worse position than other major economies. I mean, we keep hearing these, you know, predictions of the OECD saying it's going to be the worst performing in, in, amongst the group of major economies. But is it a very different, is it really a very different situation? Uh, I think there's, I think if you're going to divide, draw a dividing line, it's between Europe and the rest of the world. So the rest of the world, fortunately for them, uh, isn't positioned at the end of a Russian gas pipeline. Uh, and for them, the energy component of inflation, even though inflation is high globally, it's a very, it's actually a much smaller part of the problem. Um, for Europe, we're all sort of in it together, really, because the the electricity market is quite integrated, the gas market is quite integrated, and so we all face this problem together. So I don't think the UK there's anything specifically carving the UK out from the the rest of Europe on on energy. One thing that is a bit different is that we have 
a tighter labour market here in the UK, so sort of flavours of the US experience of things going, going on here. So we do have a slightly bigger homegrown inflation problem as mm. well, which is why the Bank of England's policy decision is one of the hardest in the world at the moment. Mm. So uh, a pretty uh, uh, similarly bleak picture across Europe uh, coming up as, uh, as we head towards winter. That's our chief uh, European economist, Jamie Rush, uh, on the economic uh, shocks coming ahead. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. While the Conservative leadership race is losing some of its heat, the actual temperature here in the UK is set for another spike this week as we head into another heat wave. And that's likely to drive up demand for power, putting more pressure on already strained supplies. Now, energy will remain a very big political topic this winter. Prices are set to jump when the energy cap price rises in October. The Liberal Democrat leader, Ed Davey, has been appealing to the government to tax oil and gas giants' profits even more to help consumers. We're saying that emergency budget, which should come as soon as possible, should have as the core of its plan cancelling the rise in the energy prices this October. Well, let's talk about all of this with Bloomberg's climate change and renewable energy reporter, Will Mattis. Will, thanks so much for joining us on the programme. Now, first of all, talk to us about this latest heat wave and what that means for, for the power system here in the UK. So this heat wave is basically adding stress to an energy system that is already under incredible stress. The heat it hits demand because more people are going to be trying to cool down. You know, in the UK, we don't have a lot of air conditioning at homes, but, regress, yeah. but in offices, you know, it takes more energy to keep, you know, our nice Bloomberg offices at a comfortable temperature when it's really hot out than it does when it's not so hot out. And there's also, you know, industrial cooling um, sources of demand, you know, refrigeration and all of that. And in Europe, they, they do have a lot of air conditioning in Southern Europe, and we have a very interconnected system. So when demand shoots up in France to pump the AC, you know, that affects us as well, because there are a lot of links uh, across the channel. And so the, there have been already some impacts too on generation in Europe because of this. So we've been talking about in France, nuclear power generation has been hit because the river temperatures have gone up and that's used as part of the cooling process. Uh, the level of the Rhine and a key supply route for coal, that's another impact on this as well. So how can you just explain to us how the UK fits into this broader network and how incidences like that that have driven up the price of power in France and Germany are affecting us here as well? Absolutely. I mean, there are uh, literal you know, pieces of infrastructure that sit in the sea between 
Britain, which is an island, and continental Europe. You know, there are gas links and there are huge power cables that go underwater to, to Germany, to France, to the Netherlands, and even to Norway, uh, which has been in the news this week because, you know, Norway, the Nordic region, has some of the cheapest power prices in Europe because they have huge uh, reservoirs that p- provide most of their power. You know, they're not as subject to these, you know, highly volatile fossil fuel prices that are driving energy prices. But they're concerned, you know, because of all the, the drought and extreme heat that has been hit hitting across Europe, that their reservoirs are weaker than they normally are this time of year. So they are want to protect their populations. And instead of selling power to the UK or to Europe, they want to make sure that they have enough affordable energy for their own populations. So they're talking about um, the potential to, you know, cut off those links and any reduction in supply from other places makes the UK more vulnerable. You know, if you don't have enough supply to meet demand, the only thing you can do is is cut off demand. And, you know, that would be a worst case scenario in the UK, you know, forced load shedding, similar to what happens during a blackout, you know, just cutting off um, big uh, energy consumers Mm -hmm. in a chaotic and potentially expensive way. Well, talk to us about the the supply situation this winter. We know that the bills are going to be enormous for uh, consumers, but how prepared are we in terms of supply? How how uh, how much are we subject to the vagaries of the weather? We have a lot of wind power, obviously, uh, in our generation mix. And in terms of of coal, are we getting that on standby if if the gas starts to run short? There are, you know, the UK has been slowly shutting off its coal plants. Uh, there are three that could remain online this year. Coal is also extremely expensive and tight supply, you know, and you're talking about in uh, Germany, the Rhine River is drying up. It's near, you know, getting dangerously close to being impassable. Um, And coal supplies are, you know, limited and in demand globally. So the UK will have to be competing for that fuel with countries all over the world. But, you know, like you said, two major factors which we just don't know and we won't be able to know until kind of they're on us are the weather um, in terms of how cold it gets and how windy it is. The UK gets a lot of electricity from the wind, an increasing amount, and if we get uh, a really windy winter, then that's going to just mean that we have to burn less coal and less gas, which are really expensive, that it could play a big role in limiting how expensive it is. And also, you know, wind doesn't really help with heating because most home heating in the country is gas. So even if the wind is blowing, you know, an unprecedented amount, that's not going to help that much with home heating. So if it is uh, a mild winter, that that could play uh, a really significant role in limiting just how painful this winter is for households so i mean this is a supply problem right like we have an issue actually generating enough power and meeting all of our power needs going into a period of high demand we're talking so much about the conservative leadership race and what they're promising to do in terms of tackling the the cost of living and how it's passing on to people but is there anything actually governments can do at this stage looking at this winter to try and address this problem well you know, it, it is a supply issue, but it is also a demand issue in terms of, you know, the UK has some of the leakiest, most inefficient homes in Europe. And if 
they were more efficient, then they would need to consume less energy and thus pay less. And, you know, when the conservatives came into power under Prime Minister David Cameron, they basically gutted uh, home efficiency measures. And if you, you know, look at the data that the amount of homes that were getting more efficient just plummeted uh, when they came into power and nothing has really changed much since Um, this year, you know, it's been, you know, it's gotten worse than anyone expected at the beginning of the year, but everyone knew at the end of last winter that the this winter that we're mm. coming up to now would be very difficult, energy prices would be really high, and there hasn't been much effort by the government to insulate more homes, for example. Um, simple technological measures you can do, you know, putting more insulation in lofts, uh, more wall insulation, just limit how much you need to consume could make a difference. At this point, it's really too late to do anything at scale. So the only measure left is really paying. You know, the government already has a 400 pound subsidy to help with home bills, but that was agreed in the spring. And now, you know, most analysts say that's just not going to cut it. So whoever becomes the next prime minister, very likely they're going to be dealing with growing calls to increase that support or otherwise, you know, it's really going to be a crisis where people cannot afford to pay their energy bills. Yeah, very old, very old housing stock. Uh, and just talk us through just briefly what the effect uh, of changes to the energy price cap will have on, on, on demand. And, and if you could just just explain for us how the cap is is calculated, just just in simple terms. Sure. The, and on the most basic level, the price cap limits um, suppliers' ability to make big profits. So it says it's based on how much it costs them to supply you with energy, and says you can only charge this much per unit of energy. So it limits their ability to just you know have huge profit margins Mm -hmm. above and beyond what it costs them to actually send power and gas to homes. And what does it do to limit demand? Not much. I mean, the point of the price price cap was to stimulate uh, competition among the energy supplier market. And it definitely did. There were tons and tons of new suppliers that came about that could compete with the the giants like British Gas, um, which is owned by Centrica. And, you know, last year we saw the flip side of that where all those companies were, were going out of business because they were, you know, really just existed in a world where energy prices kept going down. And once they started going up, they couldn't afford it. And because of the cap, couldn't pass on those costs to their customers quickly enough. So, you know, now there are analysts questioning why even have this price cap? You know, it's not really meant to protect customers from a crisis. It's meant to sort of uh, limit the profits of energy suppliers who who now are, you know, really struggling to make any profits at all. Yeah, and the difficulty is it doesn't really limit the pain for consumers that much because it's still driven by what the wholesale price of of electricity is. Uh, Will Mathis, thank you very much for joining us and taking us through all the details of this very complex story on energy supplies. Bloomberg's Climate Change and Renewable Energy reporter Will Mathis there. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.